The following podcast is a production of Commercial Investment Real Estate Magazine, the official publication of CCIM Institute. For more on the latest trends, best practices, and continuing education in all areas of the industry, visit our website at ccim.com and sign up for our education e-newsletter. Support for Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast comes from Remax Commercial. The Remax Commercial Global Network can help you adapt to changing markets, evolve with new technology, and maximize your investments across all property types. Go commercial with confidence. For more information, visit www.remaxcommercial.com. Welcome to another episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast. I'm Nicholas Leiter, Senior Content Editor of the magazine. In this episode, I spoke with Andy Svengross, Senior Vice President with JLL and a member of the firm's technology solutions practice. He discusses the healthy demand and absorption in the sector, challenges in site selection, and how investors and developers can overcome short-term economic headwinds. Svengross also details opportunities for commercial real estate professionals in secondary and tertiary markets as the sector continues to expand. Andy, first of all, welcome to the podcast and, and thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. And now before diving deeper into data center development, overall investment in the sector has been strong before the pandemic and it continues to remain pretty robust. Um, you know, where is the market right now and what do you see in the next maybe six to 12 months? Yeah, I think uh, over the past six to 12 months, we've seen historic absorption uh, across the board. Um, there's been some pretty uh, interesting factors that have uh, impacted the industry, you know, power shortages and land availability paired with massive uh, leases by big hyperscalers. And it's taken a lot of the available product off the marketplace. Uh, and so, you know, looking ahead into 2023, going into 2024, we're going to see a lot of the major markets really be, uh, you know, really be constrained on available co-location product that's built on a speculative basis. Um, you know, and, and to add to that, I think you're going to, also see a lot of pre-leasing uh, or are currently seeing a lot of pre-leasing for projects that aren't even built yet uh, that are on you know property that's owned by co-location providers and, and developers. Yeah. And you mentioned kind of these, the, the larger projects are, are absorbing or are taking up a lot of space in, in major urban areas. You know, how much of the absorption is, are relegated to these larger projects? Uh, I'd say the, the vast majority of, of uh, the takedowns, uh, have been relegated to just a few users out there. I think uh, you look at Chicago as an example where I'm based. Uh, three of the largest deals took down probably 90% of the absorption uh, across the marketplace over 2021, 2022. You know, these range from 36 megawatts to 48 megawatts, uh, you know, across three or four different facilities. Uh, and so uh, that's probably uh, usually meant for multi tenant, uh, you know, users in nature uh, when it was you know originally underwritten and, and developed uh, and all that is is pretty much been taken off the marketplace is there room for kind of the smaller facilities the smaller operators and owners out there or is it kind of a, a market dominated by the giants yeah i think um you know looking at the enterprise users those, those types of users have, have certainly kind of uh been more stagnant in growth they're not going to be uh, as large a size Typically, going to be anywhere from 300 kW to you know two to three megawatts uh, at most, uh, and so you know you see a lot of providers really kind of saying, "Hey, do I do a deal with the enterprise group, or do I go and sell my whole building to a big hyperscaler?" And and you know 
tends to be more so these days the latter, um, you know, simply because they don't want to give up kind of a foothold uh, with the, the product that they have. Um, and so I think, you know, looking forward, I think the enterprise sized users are going to have a, a more difficulty acquiring and finding space. I think you'll see certain operators more focus on those types of users versus going after large hyperscale needs. A lot of the product that's out there today is funded by big capital sources that are very interested in doing business with, you know, the large hyperscale takedown. So less co-location related, but more real estate related. Is the appetite from those hyperscalers, is that something that's going to be steady for, you know, two, three, four years down the road, or is there going to be kind of a critical mass at some point? Yeah, I think uh, what you're seeing today is uh, certain users are, are kind of going off and taking down a, a ton of product. Um, you know, being to see if, you know, that will be sustained over time. Uh, you know, business models are changing and products uh, are changing with some of these hyperscalers. But um, I think the the guys uh, that have been around for a while, we're going to continue to see growth, um, going to continue to see, uh, you know, or, or try to prepare for long range projections. So instead of two or three years out, it's it's seven, 10 years out, looking at campus developments and, and you know, entire areas for, for multiple building. Uh, developments rather than uh, signing leases at individual facilities. Looking at site selection for data center sites, um, what challenges are faced in the sector and what kind of what geographical concerns are there involved in the process? Yeah, for sure. I think uh, as you look at at some of these major markets, whether it be Loudoun County, Chicago, Dallas, uh, Phoenix, you know, a lot of these areas are traditional hubs for data centers, right? Um, they've continued to growth. Uh, a lot of the sub-markets that uh, those data centers sit in or target uh, have been paired with, uh, you know, rapidly growing industrial, you know, demand uh, that's been you know, a lot, a lot in parts by COVID. Uh, and so you've had the two different asset classes competing for the same space. Uh, so, you know, a lot of those guys are going door to door, knocking on uh, properties and assembling things, uh, you know, as things are uh, being assembled at, you know, they're putting, uh, you know, a big 200,000 square foot industrial shell on there, and then they're putting into a pension fund where they can't sell. And so it makes it very difficult for a data center provider to go and try to acquire land like that. Uh, we traditionally, as an asset class, move uh, quite a bit slower. We're spending a lot more capital. We're bringing in a lot more power uh, that costs a lot more. So you know, our due diligence timeframes are typically longer, uh, but we are able to pay uh, a bit more. And so because of that, uh, you've seen providers really getting aggressive on what they're willing to pay for, it, you know, at these sites in these key markets. Because of that, just over the past 12 months, we've seen land valuations uh, double, if not more, in in most of the major markets. So it's been pretty interesting. Yeah, and you've mentioned Northern Virginia and Phoenix, um, and JLL's latest report on data center noted that that they're leading in absorption. Um, you know, what is so enticing about the, these locations? And along with that, you know. Do you, do you keep your eyes out for for the next Phoenix or and Northern Virginia sites? Yeah, I think you know you're you're seeing two Loudoun County Ashburn has traditionally been the East Coast node for for most of the hyperscalers to to satisfy their East Coast requirements. Most of the major development uh, across the world has been done in Ashburn for data centers, uh, and I think what you're seeing is. Uh, on the West Coast is is groups looking for expansion outside of uh, California, where power prices are significantly higher, property taxes are significantly higher, and more expensive uh, from the land side. Uh, and so, uh, as you look at expansion there, you've seen both Hillsborough and Phoenix be major growth areas. Phoenix, as of late, being kind of the major growth focus. Uh, a lot of that 
you know, large in part due to tax incentives, land availability, power availability. Um, you know, but I think in in both Ashburn, Phoenix, uh, in a lot of the major markets, you're seeing uh, issues with uh, access to power, uh, the generations right. there, but getting transmission lines built out, substation capacity expanded, uh, power to an individual site used to take two years, and now we're hearing five to seven years. And so because of that, uh, Loudoun County is an example, they basically said we can't satisfy any more power uh, in key areas until 2027. And so what that has done is it's pushed major users to look at other markets like a Chicago uh, or in Atlanta for some of these big takedowns. And so we're already seeing a lot of that demand today. Uh, you mentioned, you know, other growth areas in the marketplace. Uh, you know, nationally, I think you'll see further growth in, in Salt Lake City. Uh, which is, you know, uh, very friendly for data centers. Uh, Columbus, Ohio, where you see big okay. hyperscalers putting up major nodes uh, as kind of an expansion of Ashburn and, and kind of middle distance between Chicago. Uh, and so I think you'll see a, some major growth, you know, sectors there. You're seeing people really kind of ask about new areas that you've never heard of before uh, as being data center uh, sectors, you know, Indianapolis and Nashville. Uh, you know, areas like that, that just, you know, Austin, Texas, that, you know, you're seeing major growth in the cities there from a population. Uh, and I think you'll see data center demand follow. Obviously, you mentioned, you know, the significant requirements in just power to run the data center. Um, is that what pushes site selection towards major, you know, if not primary, then secondary and tertiary urban areas? Yeah, I think uh, it, there's there's kind of two factors, right? There's uh, being in and around uh, what we call AZs or, or kind of the zones where these big hyperscalers have their network nodes uh, need to see growth in. Uh, otherwise, they need to expand in new areas entirely and build new network nodes. Um, I think uh, because of that, there's really been a focus on uh, you know, how much power you can get, what the timing of, of getting power there is. Uh, and what's the cost of, of doing so? And so the valuation of a property is is kind of tied to that number uh, if it falls within certain areas. Uh, I think you are seeing expansion out into uh, you know major metro hubs, but further out into areas that traditionally have not been data center focused. They just have a lot of power today and sit along a power line. So you're seeing people look more at that stuff. And I think the hyperscalers are becoming more okay with that uh, as we run into these challenges. As we've discussed, energy consumption is a major consideration when it comes to data centers. Considering current economic issues like energy prices and inflation, what impact did these have on the sector when it comes to potential investment? Yeah, I think uh, you're definitely getting a lot more scrutiny around that, uh, especially uh, areas that are uh, really focused on or, or the fuel mix really focuses on natural gas, where we've seen major spikes in that area. We've actually seen green energy become cheaper than natural gas, which is the inverse before. Uh, areas like Phoenix, Chicago that, that have high nuclear uh, uh, or green energy or, or, or uh, coal, you know, traditionally have been cheaper for the moment and provided more stability in, in the pricing. So I think you're going to see uh, definitely more scrutiny on the, the fuel mix in, in different states. And I think that's where you'll see uh, further growth um, moving forward. And obviously, ESG is a topic close to, to every commercial real estate sector these days. You know, are there initiatives, are there plans within data center development to kind of balance sustainability and green energy, um, you know, in, in a market that obviously is, is energy intensive? For sure. I think as you go back to fuel mix, um, obviously you can't build a wind farm or solar farm next to a data center in some of these urban areas or one that's really going to 
compensate for the amount of power that's being done. So they're doing that through rene- renewable energy credits and, and other areas. You know, they're buying wind farm energy in, in West Texas, uh, as an example. Um, they're also investing in, in different solar projects and, and wind projects in, in different jurisdictions. Uh, overall, I think you're seeing greater pushes by the hyperscalers to have you know, carbon neutral approaches. We're seeing state tax legislature who's providing tax incentive abatements or tax, tax incentives or uh, sales tax abatements, uh, you know, in these key areas also have green energy requirements, uh, you know, or carbon neutrality requirements. Some of the funds that are funding these data center developers also are tied to some of that, uh, you know, green funds, uh, for lack of a better way. Uh, and so, you know, I think that that could be extrapolated in a couple of different ways. That's uh, traditionally has been through facility design becoming just more efficient, using less water, you know, especially important in areas like Phoenix and, and Salt Lake City and, and kind of the West Coast where water has been very limited. Um, much better uh, cooling efficiencies from a fan perspective. Uh, but I think, you know, as speed is pushing this stuff, I think the green component or sustainable component is being kind of, I don't want to say forgot by the wayside, but they're, they tend to be focused on speed versus sustainability uh, as they're, they're looking to get in and kind of do these developments at, you know, at breakneck speed. So it'll be interesting to see how they, they continue to kind of keep up with that moving forward. But there's uh, some real great things out in the industry right now. iMasons is a, a group that we're a part of or a charter member of uh, that is really trying to kind of lead the way for sustainability within the data center sector. And that's, Know, carbon tracking and, and tracking of equipment and you know, location and where it's coming from and uh, really trying to kind of hold people accountable, which is, I think is a great thing for, for what we're doing, given all the development. Whether it's government regulation or improved efficiency in design, uh, there are a lot of ways of reducing energy usage. We also hear a lot about issues related to problems in the supply chain. Automotive production has been constrained by the availability of microchips, for example. What difficulties have data centers seen in regards to the supply chain? You're you're still seeing uh, incredible issues with the supply chain. From uh, you know, it it, it still uh, forget anybody. It's it's hitting both you know the transformer production at the substation level, all the way down to the raised floor uh, production. Uh, it's also hitting steel and, and concrete, which is also hitting indu- uh, the industrial developers as well. Uh, you know, with that bringing you know increased cost to to, to build. So. Uh, you know, across the board, I think it's having major issues. It's it's making the cost uh, for development very unpredictable. And as such, you know, as these operators and developers are uh, trying to quote out projects to end users and hyperscalers, uh, it's making it very hard to hold pricing for any longer period of time, you know, as people are making decisions. So it's it's really kind of throwing a wrench in things. Um, the hyperscalers uh, are learning to kind of deal with it to a certain extent. Uh, just given that, you know, everybody's kind of dealing with it. Um, but, you know, I think hopefully getting into 2023 here, we see some alleviation of, of those those uh, lead times. With hyperscalers, obviously, putting together some uh, some impressively large data centers, what what challenges are, are involved in negotiating leases with with users? What, what problems are, are, are kind of arise in these situations? Uh, I think it depends on what type of client you are, but if you're focused on hyperscalers, it's going to be uh, timeline, timeline to delivery and kind of guaranteeing those timelines of, of when you go live. So predictability around bringing the power to the site and uh, pre-ordering materials and equipment to, to hit certain deadlines. Uh, I think you're going to have service level agreement uh, constraints, you know, they need to hit certain densities and cooling uh, constraints on, on spaces. 
things seem to be getting more and more dense uh, across the board. You know, we, we used to play around 150 watts a square foot, and now we're getting into the 300s for a lot of these hyperscalers. And uh, you know, more more astute users who are in you know water cooled technologies and things like that. Uh, and so, you know, I think a lot of a lot of the, the planning around lease negotiation is is really kind of looking at it from all aspects and and trying to understand how you meet those timelines, how you meet SLAs. Uh, and continue to allow these clients to ramp into this space over a longer period of time. And obviously, along with the supply chain, um, we are, are hearing about rising interest rates, you know, every day and in, in the news we read. And, you know, what impact do these rising interest rates have in investment in data centers? They certainly have an impact. I think maybe not as much as maybe other sectors, commercial or industrial, where, you know, there's very little uh, yield in terms of, uh, you know, uh, building a, a facilities are highly complicated facilities. And uh, oftentimes the, the investors are looking at it from a pure equity standpoint or debt to equity ratios. I, I think uh, there has been a, a tremendous amount of capital being pulled from other industries that are, you look at commercial office or, or multifamily or, or other sectors retail that maybe because of COVID are, are seeing major hits. Uh, some of that capital is being pushed towards data centers. And so while interest rates are high, uh, you're still seeing a major push to get that capital into the data center industry, despite having very few opportunities to put it in there. A lot of the sale lease specs have been completed. A lot of the M&A work has, has been done, especially over the past you know, 12, 24 months. Uh, and looking ahead, there's there's increasingly less opportunities to uh, really go after. Um, you know, I think, especially on the, the absolute triple net, pure investment sale uh, type of thing, uh, Whereas the you know the the partial sale leasebacks and more value yeah. types of opportunities are still uh, very strong today, so I think uh, it's certainly having its impact, but maybe not as much as other sectors. Well, I think the final question is you know the demand for data centers seems to be pretty consistent and something that that will that we'll see remain in the years to come. But for the data center market to continue to thrive, what needs to happen in the next three or five years? You are going to have to see expansion in new secondary markets. Uh, to accommodate some of this land availability, land costs, and, and power constraints, you're going to, I think, in these major markets, see expansion into new submarkets that hasn't traditionally been there. You look at uh, Loudoun County and Prince William County, uh, even expansion down into Richmond. Uh, you look at Atlanta and expansion further out uh, up to the north. Chicago, we're looking further west. Uh, and so as as we're kind of hitting capacity constraints and land availability issues, I think you'll continue to see people looking at, at new markets as being possibilities for growth. Uh, again, I'd mentioned Columbus, Ohio, and uh, you know Salt Lake City. I think you'll see major growth here in the next couple of years. Uh, but overall, I think it's, it's really kind of uh, right yeah. in the supply chain uh, and, and trying to put this stuff everywhere we can. Yeah, I think that that's a great place to wrap up. Um, obviously, our listeners... Um, enjoy hearing about opportunities and, and enjoy hearing about opportunities in new markets. So, um, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. And, and we appreciate, you know, the, the context you're able to, to give us around data centers. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast. Head to SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Join us next month for a brand new episode of Commercial Investment Real Estate Podcast, featuring another leading figure from the world of commercial real estate.